Chillax, a podcast where you listen to this album talk about life, news, and anything interesting. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Chillax podcast. This episode is the last episode of the year, I guess. Let me double check. Let me double check. Hmm. So this, yeah, correct. Hey, this is not technically the last episode. This is the first episode of the year because the last episode that I just recorded is on. 5th December and then this episode will come out on 1st of January which is exciting I suppose happy new year everyone and merry Christmas as well so today's episode we are also going to be looking into reddit and talking about interesting topics and this one is more closer to home where we are looking at the ask Singapore subreddit where people you know ask Singaporeans like Singaporeans asking Singaporeans questions and this is a quite a popular question within the year like in 2022 this is like one of the highly upvoted ones so basically the person asks what is your unpopular opinion about your own race slash culture the person says paper offering paper offering burning needs to die I know it will piss off a lot of Chinese Singaporeans even got downvoted to hell back then when I mentioned it it's not even religious um pollution a health issue I don't really see any positive benefits of having it. People, no matter how much you tell them to burn properly, throw the rubbish properly, simply refuses to learn. How the fuck are we a country supposed to be clean and green if we can't keep it clean and green every 7 months? And we need the cleaners to do the dirty work. Imagine we don't have them. Privileged fucks. Okay, this person is kind of negative. Kind of hypocritical we have a government who actually can see global warming being a massive issue but on the ground level people burning shit committing to carbon emission another one which is albeit less of an issue is the whole wedding gate crashing thing i find it fucking dumb it came from some hong kong drama and got picked up having to do some challenge while it may be light-hearted may not work for every couple and have seen stories where they can't handle it do these people not tell them what to expect before doing these acts i never understood why nearly every chinese wedding i have seen must do this don't do will die meh even get crashing also FOMO. Yeah, I think I am very much the same as him or her in terms of gate crashing. Like it makes no sense. But then after I see my friends do it, I think if my wife or my partner wants to do it, it's alright. Because I can have my groomsmen do it, right? Because I don't have to do all the stupid shit. But I need to give Hong Pao, which is a waste of money also. And honestly speaking, I'm not really a fan of doing this kind of stuff. Like I think after uh uni or poly going through all this camp stuff, I don't really like this kind of like torturing yourself. For what? What's the point? Today is a happy day. We should all be happy and, and feel comfortable and not uncomfortable. And to me, gate crashing is very uncomfortable. I don't know. I think my friend's wedding, they eat the, the samyang, the the fire noodles and they eat like some bitter god like why do that to yourself it just doesn't make sense for me but then i haven't really been like i, I would say influenced by my partner yet like, i think if i have a partner i would be keen to hear what she says about these things at the end of the day this is also part of the wedding experience right that makes things memorable if your day is just like oh okay we come down we do the tea ceremony then we go to the wedding and then we just like talk about our life and whatever not is that really memorable? I suppose so to some extent, but is it as fun as we think it is? Maybe, maybe not, depending on the person. So really, I'm not too sure about this, but if I have a choice, I wouldn't want to have a gate crashing. And as for the whole burning thing, yeah lah, I mean, I don't know what to say about this. The burning thing sucks and it smells like crap, but then eventually this will be phased out because a lot of these burning things is done by the older generation right once they grow old they die then there's no more of such things happening maybe it's just a select handful of people that still subscribe to this whole notion but so far all of the friends i spoke to 
from young to old, since you know, poly, primary school, uni, they all don't really subscribe to it. Even though they say I'm a Buddhist because my parents are a Buddhist, but they don't really kind of like actively pursue such a custom, this tradition, right? They might follow, but they don't really proactively do it, unlike the Christians. So I would expect that this kind of phase out eventually. Maybe by the time I die, it will be phased out already. So we'll wait and see, lor, I suppose, in this case. But what is more interesting is to see what people say regarding this question. So let us just dig in. Okay, I'm going to tell you, because I scanned through all these questions already, there's a lot of Chinese people's opinion, and I mean, majority in Singapore is Chinese, right? But I will also try my best to touch on uh, other races as well and other religions. But I think mainly it will be Chinese because it's more relevant to me. Yeah. So the first one, the person also spoke about wedding gate crashing. Like they say, uh, wedding gate crashing is up to the couple. Leh. I've seen plenty of Chinese weddings where they didn't do it. Okay, I have never seen a Chinese wedding they, that they haven't do it. So not too sure. Maybe my exposure, my sample size is a bit too small. Uh, I just had my second wedding. Um, and I'm kind of at this age where a lot of people are having their weddings. Maybe, you know, once I attend enough weddings, I will have a bigger sample size to really weigh in on this. But I think another person replied to this comment that says, the whole Chinese wedding culture should die to be honest. Only thing I think is meaningful is the tea ceremony because you are paying respects to the elder. Gate crashing guo da li nonsense. We aren't in the 1700s anymore. That marrying a woman results in the village losing one body. Okay, I don't really get that part. Parents inviting people we have barely never seen to increase table count to look big. All the dumb flashiness really. Waste of money, additional unnecessary stress and really it isn't even about the couple. Everything except the tea ceremony is just overblown, show of flashy nonsense. Yeah, so this one is quite an interesting topic because I just, you know, spoke to my friends about this topic yesterday when we were having dinner. This whole thing about the gate crashing, the parents inviting people we have barely or never seen to increase table count, especially this topic itself, this whole action. For me, right, the way I look at wedding is, a wedding is all about me and my wife to celebrate this new form partnership, this milestone, right? And then to have parents invite people that you are not close with. Like the way I look at my wedding is that everybody that I'm close with, my tier S or tier A friends where if I really gonna die, if I need help, I will ask them. Or if they are going to die and if they need money or if they need me to come down to help them with something, I will go down even if it's the middle of the night. So these are my closest of the closest friends. To me, I don't really get the part where like parents are inviting people, some Tom, Dick and Harry, distant cousin, ex-neighbors that you move away from. I mean, you maybe you move from uh, Sengkang to Tampines, then your ex-neighbors from Sengkang come in and join your wedding, which doesn't make sense. It should be all about like the, the bride and the groom, their family and their friends right i guess you can argue the other way also right because you know if you're a family oriented kind of person then you will kind of uh, accede or like go with whatever your parents want right you want to invite all of your parents uh, relatives those friends because it is not just about you it's also about your parents is to for them to kind of like i don't know show off or show that hey this is my child they finally got married really it's a blissful marriage or whatever to celebrate this together it's more very rooted in, I don't know, maybe Chinese family culture, I guess. But for me, I think I really want the wedding to be as close-knitted as possible where these are all the people I care about. And the rest that I don't care about will not be invited. This is a monumental event, right? Because it's like, I feel that this is more like a milestone for adulthood as compared to NS, uh, university graduating and working in your first corporate job. These are not even a milestone for me. I feel that marriage is a lot more of a milestone where you become an adult now you're responsible to an actual person 
in this case i really want to celebrate or mark this milestone with my closest pals and maybe my family but i'm not so close with my family so it'll be my closest friends and the part where you invite other people that i never seen before like what's the point right also we think about it realistically when you get a hotel there's a function room there's a set amount even if you get the smallest function room there's a minimum amount of people that you want to invite right because you can't be making a loss and you can't be like losing money and you can't make it empty as well if you just disregard the whole cost monetary outlook or perspective of it you can't be having the room be half empty right so you at least need to fill it up then this kind of pushes you to invite some random people your colleagues and your maybe primary school friend that you are you haven't contact for a thousand years so i suppose there's a lot of different factors that kind of pushes people to invite random people that they have never seen before or maybe relatives that you have never seen before right so i guess i'm not too sure about this if i have a choice i would just get a restaurant but then i think i was talking to my friend about the restaurant thing restaurant is cool it's very like you know tight-knitted and very homely comfortable because it's just all your close friends right and then maybe you can get a restaurant that is very atas that overlooks like marina bay or whatever right the night the singapore night view but then there's a problem also where you want to wear your wedding gown but then is there like a, a dress up room i forgot what was the name of the room called it's just like a room for you to dress up to dress your gown to change your makeup to do all these changes and preparation right and also having it at the hotel helps because you get a hotel room and then if you forgot to bring anything or if you want to store all of your barang barang you can always put it there and then you can just go up and go down and then after the wedding you are very tired already alright then you can just go up there instead of just walking across the street or trying to take a cab to a near to the nearest hotel that you book so i think there's a lot of like considerations that's why i guess most people go with the hotel because of the preparation that is needed the hotel room and all these things i mean usually the wedding you will have a wedding gown and you have the evening dress which kind of doesn't make sense but i'm a guy who am i to say right i suppose part of the wedding gown is also the experience to be able to wear a wedding gown the significance of it and at the same time the evening dress is more like comfortable for you to move around but you get to wear something that is nice i will also like to wear something nice on that day so i can't really comment on that uh but i guess restaurant is cool but there's a lot of limitation there but at the end of the day i guess when the time comes we will have to think about it i have to think about it i haven't have a partner yet so maybe just wait a, wait a while and see first lor. but at least the good thing here is that i get to witness all of these weddings of my friends and then i can kind of gather all this information on like okay what should i do what should i not do what do i want what what i don't want in a wedding right so this is interesting i think there's also the whole idea of dowry like ping jing where they are you know giving money to the parents of the wife it doesn't make sense uh. i think this kind of tradition i think it's a bit too superficial and does it objectify the female i'm not too sure this doesn't feel quite right to be giving money right the second one is also about wedding for some reason everybody that is commenting right is talking about wedding there's a trend here i suppose for chinese so the person says chinese here the expectations of red packet on wedding dinners and that it must cover the cost for the wedding couple you get married and ask your loved ones to come share in your joy not morally not morally oblige them to help you pay for your wedding it's okay if they voluntarily give you ang baos but i've seen way too many couples throwing lavish weddings they cannot afford with the mentality that the guest ang bao will cover it for them then they kao bei bu when it doesn't it turns wedding into a business transaction i guess this is something that is very common right like oh no they need to make back the money 
And I guess there are different kind of mindset to it. Like most of my friends, I see the way they look at it is it's more of to celebrate the joy. And then if they earn back, then they earn back. It doesn't matter. But I guess it's more of like maybe the parents' side where they look at it more superficially. They really want to like invite everybody to make it worthwhile, right? At the end of the day, you are still paying money for these things. And but for me, the perspective is more of like as a friend, if I'm invited and if we are close, right? I would give money and I would like give as much as possible to really cover or even cover more than what is expected of everyone. But then I think the problem here is when you have, when you make explicit expectations, I think your starting point should be, okay, let's come and enjoy and have fun together. Then the expectations should be something that's hidden, shouldn't be kind of mentioned loudly, I guess. When you kind of invite people and you get the most expensive wedding, then that becomes a problem, right? just to get people here and pay for the wedding, which is a bit ridiculous. I, I don't have that kind of friends yet. I haven't seen the kind of situation. I haven't been to a wedding yet where they are, they are like, wow, very expensive and I need to pay a lot of money. The next one, also Chinese. <laughs> Chinese people are really money faced. A lot of our culture revolves around wealth, prosperity, fortune, which in turn create a worldview where you judge others on their ability to earn money how much money they have and if they have more or less than you. Combined with Singapore's Gyasuism, it creates a very toxic culture where everything is either about earning or hoarding money so you are better than others. I guess it's kind of true. I think anybody that has a decently big Chinese family that is like, um, most likely they are going to be focusing on such things right? about grades, about earning money, how well we are doing in life. I'm kind of detached from that really because I don't really hang out with my cousins anymore. We are not close with our family. We, I'm not even close to my family at all. So there's not much comparison here. But I think in the past, when you're still in school, when your parents are the friends of other parents, and when you're, when, you know, when my parents are still close with their family, there are this kind of comparison. And it, this really drives home the point of Chinese people are really money-based, very focused on this kind of tangible results. Like, if you don't earn money, if you don't get good grades, then what's the point of life, right? All life is about is money, good grades, money, good grades. And that is very toxic and I'm glad I'm out of this whole cycle, this circle. And as much as this is like very disgusting or terrible behavior that, you know, I don't really like, I think we also need to kind of not judge and think about why are we behaving this way? Why are Chinese people kind of money faced? I think at the end of the day, our parents, our grandparents all, are all migrants. Like we are like third generation or second generation. And then you imagine your grandparents right migrating and usually when they migrate here majority of us like our grandparents are not very wealthy to begin with they are coming here for better opportunities so the fact that they have to come here they are not really in a good position right and their main focus here is to make a living get a better life this kind of mindset or behavior trickles down right to your second generation your parents and then to you where everything is about money because that's how you make a living, right? That's how you survive. And that's the first point of focus, right? Because you're like your Maslow hierarchy on it. You, at least you need money to give you the ability to have a shelter, to have food, to have water. Only when you can satisfy that, then you can focus on things that is above the pyramid. You can focus on your friendship, your family relationship, your self-actualization, your purpose in life, your purpose to the world and whatever not. But then I think when you look at the, the pyramid, we are practically at the bottom. We have to work our way up. And that is what we are looking at right now, right? Your parents are migrants, come here to make a living, to survive. And all they need to care about is only money. Only after you finish caring about money, you have the money, then you can move up, right? That's why I think you can kind of see our 
lifestyle or no our perspective and our outlook change right like our parents and our grandparents used to care about that then for my generation i have kind of the capabilities or i have the luxury or the stability or the safety of having like money and savings to allow me to move up the pyramid to look at other things to focus on my work-life balance to focus on um, my purpose in life to provide value to make myself happy to contribute back to society that's essentially i suppose moving up the pyramid right so i guess it's kind of disgusting this behavior i also hate it i don't really like it but there's a reason behind it and i guess understanding and knowing the reason helps to not be so affected by it i guess you kind of understand it so you can accept it and not get so worked up over it yeah the next one is not chinese so that's great so this person says ex-muslim malay okay i didn't know there's such a term this situation is possible like you're ex-muslim or you're malay i know that you know the whole malay and the culture and the religion is very entrenched and intertwined together so it's interesting to be able to see somebody claiming themselves as ex-muslim but they are malay so the person mentioned that the way i see religion is too ingrained into culture and lifestyle which is islam's main objective i hate it when any hardship is relegated to takdir allah it promotes the idea that everything is allah's plan so there's no way to resolve it other than through allah's will and prayers there is also no mainstream non-islamic malay culture nowadays they are expected to adopt another culture which is kind of stupid to be honest so that's quite interesting i know that they are intertwined but it's interesting to know that the fact that it is intertwined right there's no like alternative culture where it's just purely malay culture alone right there's non-islamic in nature interesting point can't really comment or win on that i have like no uh relevance no i have no background experience on this so hopefully some of you who are listening to this can you know find some relevance and have some opinions I'll be keen to hear what you guys have to say about this. Next one is Indian. So that's good. We are covering the other races as well. Indian here. Just because you are not doctor or engineer or lawyer or CS, I guess it's computer science, does not mean you are a failure. Sometimes your own parents are fine with it, but it is the others in the community that judge too much. Sometimes the pressure to succeed just so that your parents don't lose face in front of others is just too great. I think this one is very common in Chinese Singaporeans as well, right? same as indians where we all have this obsession with doctors engineers and lawyers and i'm not quite sure how how common it is nowadays i remember in the past when i was young all these movies all these tv series they all really emphasize on this point right but maybe now i'm kind of out of it really i'm not close with any relatives or any parents or whatever where i don't have this point anymore it's just about working that's all this is interesting because like you know I realize we are quite similar in a way where we have this obsession over this kind of high uh, high level high class job and i guess if at the end of the day is that now this really matters i feel is that you need to be happy if you are not happy then there's no point being a doctor engineer or lawyer and of course money is important but then money is also something that can be earned through whatever means you can be a lorry driver and you can be a millionaire as well you can run like a company that runs a lot of lorry that does moving delivery so i feel that sometimes we are too caught up with the status of the career and the kind of expectations or the stereotype of the career right where like doctors are high value job and we all kind of like love it we kind of aspire towards it as i grow older i realize now this matters at the end of the day is you happy and then also i feel like i'm re- repeating myself but at the end of the day it doesn't matter how you make money as long as you can make money that's all that's all and, and you have enough money to live a comfortable life to do whatever you want 
that's the most important thing. I mean, I can make money by being a tutor and I can earn millions from, from it. So what's wrong with it? Like, what's the deal with it, right? I mean, we are both earning the same money. If you just look at purely monetary earning the amount of money made. And then as far as like prestige goes, maybe because I don't come from a family where we are like super rich and then prestige seems to be a very important point where my son is a lawyer, my daughter is a doctor, then this kind of prestige hunger becomes very apparent. So for me, I don't really have that. If you are living in that world, then this kind of becomes very important and you become very caught up with it. I think as a person that doesn't have any exposure to it, I just feel that if I can earn money, I can earn my 5k from, you know, picking up trash. What's wrong with that, right? As long as I'm comfortable with it, I'm happy with it. It doesn't matter, right? Okay, I can end this off with the last comment. And this one is not Chinese. So this one is more on Malay. And I think this is relevant to some extent. I have some experience where uh, this person says, Malay people should stand up more for themselves. Stop accepting other races to openly disrespect us. Things like all Malays are working grab, food panda, delivery, or that most of us are IT slash secondary school graduates only. Or that the staircase is where Malay do their dirty deeds. Okay, I didn't know about that, the staircase part. It's unacceptable for anyone to insult us that way and to get away with it almost all the time. We need to stand up against this casual racism as it is a problem even if you think there's nothing wrong with it. So I think this one, right, I've witnessed it before. Um, Someone that really bucks the trend of this whole stereotype. I think usually you have a lot of stereotype, like I think for Chinese, that Malay is like that, I suppose. Delivery driver, IT or secondary school. But what I learned is that when I went to university, of course, Chinese is a majority, one Indian here and there, and then there's Malay as well, there's here and there. And when I spoke to the Malay people, I learned that, you know, these people are hardworking people that really want to prove a point to show that Malay can work hard and can be successful in life as well. And then when I used LinkedIn and I was browsing, I realized there are a lot of successful Malays as well. There is like, you know, going against this stereotype. And it's good to see that because I think coming from a very traditional neighborhood kind of background where there's a lot of entrenched casual racism, right? And I also work in um, Starbucks where there's a lot of Malays as well. And they are generally not very educated. And then you kind of get influenced by this. You see these things and this becomes your default worldview where like, oh, wow, Malay, they kind of always band together and they, you know, they are, they, they are not very hardworking, they're very lazy and all these things. But then as I start to interact with more people via like through my poly, people who are more liberal, like Malays who are more liberal, and then talking to people who are more hardworking, they just want to prove a point right in university. I kind of expanded my worldview where it wasn't as narrow as before, where I'm very like, oh, why did they like that? And then now it becomes like, oh, okay, I see a spectrum of things. It's not always the case where uh, like what this person mentioned. Uh, and I think it's good to see that, you know, they are trying so hard. Then like, why am I not trying hard at all? Like I have all these, I suppose, so-called privileges. I'm a male, I'm a Chinese. I mean, everything is set for me. So I should really be appreciative of that because when you move to another country, you realize when you are not a majority race, then it kind of sucks. Uh. So knowing this privilege, you kind of like be more conscious of it and be aware of how you behave and try your best in this case yeah so that's my thoughts and i hope you guys have enjoyed this episode um happy new year guys uh and i hope you guys you know have a good year ahead i wish you all the best hopefully this is a good year hopefully there's no another wave of pandemic i mean now china is opening up right maybe things will evolve the new virus i don't know but hopefully this stays the same where we can go out hang out go overseas 
because I'm really keen to travel overseas. I already booked my Taiwan trip ready. I'm going to Taiwan in April. So I really look forward to that to finally fly overseas. I went to Vietnam already, but to be able to visit Taiwan would be nice and to be able to visit Japan would be nice too. Yeah, if you are keen on supporting this podcast, you can check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash chillax podcast or as cheap as a taping. You can get an additional bonus episode every month and all this money will go towards creating the video setup, the live stream setup. You can do video podcasts and it will give me more time and freedom to focus on you know exploring different kind of contents for for our podcast here you know make it more enjoyable for you guys to listen to so that's the end of it and see you i don't know next week and have a happy new year